Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Bonte and Pauly Sebelia. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Brian Higgins with you up until 2 o'clock. And then Brian Higgins is going to take it solo from 2 until 4 in the 315. Great to see you, Brian. How are things? Uh, we did like musical chairs. You stayed in one place. I did. And, like the whole room just rotated yes. around you. So that's a pretty good trick. It, it worked out well. Uh, Paulie's still uh, under the weather. We, we hope to have him back Wednesday. We have no show tomorrow. SU mm-hmm. Women's Basketball tomorrow. Uh, you do have a show tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be here tomorrow, Wednesday, post-game tomorrow night. So right. tune into the oh. Wednesday show. I'll be loopy. It's going to be late. Yeah, so will you. You're up to that time yes, every night. That, but, uh, that is true. 9 o'clock tip, though, uh, inside the Dome tomorrow between Syracuse uh, and Pittsburgh. We do have Mike McAllister set to join us. Um, I, I really, really want to get your thoughts on the end of that Giants game, but but we're going to continue to tease that. We will, we will wait okay. until the next segment. What was wrong with the end of that game? I saw, I saw nothing wrong with the end of that game. <laughs> I'm curious. You being a Giants fan, no, what have you thought of it? it it's, uh, well, it worked out well for your team. Exactly. Uh, uh, we know Mike McAllister's a proud Eagles fan, though, and there's nothing wrong uh, with uh, with his Eagles continue to have the best record uh, in the NFL. He joins us now to, to talk some uh, some SU football. Mike, always great to, to check in. How are you today? I'm doing well. I, th- I thought we were going to talk about the Eagles for 15 minutes. No, well, you could. There's, there's plenty to talk about. They are they are looking I'm good all right in. now. Yeah, Giants fans don't want to talk about that game. That game didn't happen <laughs> last night. It was great. I don't blame you, but anyone's better than a Cowboys fan, so we're we're okay. Right? There you go. We're we're all in agreement. Um, all right, so let's let's talk some Q's football here, and it's. Obviously, a very big week in in the recru- recruiting world. Uh, pretty good weekend, it sounds like for for SU. Bring us up to date on uh, on the recruiting weekend for the Orange. Yeah, they've they've gotten um, you know a, a few commitments here um, in the last I don't know three days or so. Um, they landed a, a defensive lineman from Maryland who's. Um, First name is David. Last name is Long. His actual given first name is is Long, and I don't I don't want to butcher it, so we'll call him David, or you can call him Double O, whichever you prefer. But he goes to Woodlawn, Woodlawn High School in Maryland. Um, he's actually originally from Nigeria. Came over to the U.S. in 2017, so he's kind of somewhat new to the game. And you know, oftentimes those type of players, as they get more familiar with the game and learn some fundamentals in a few years, can turn out to be uh, really good players. Obviously, Syracuse is hoping that that is the case. Um, They landed a flip defensive lineman, Ty Gordon, from Battlefield High School in Virginia, who's previously committed to Old Dominion. They got him up for a visit and were able to flip him. Uh, They landed a junior college center, John Ray Reed, from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. Uh, He took an official visit this past weekend. Oregon was also heavy after him, trying to get him up to campus to visit, but he uh, visited Syracuse and uh, committed there. So that gives Syracuse some some good uh, experience along the interior of the offensive line. And there was was one – Vincent Carroll Jackson was someone that they landed – Last week, that's uh, that's worth paying attention to. Uh, he's from Pennsylvania. He had a pretty big offer list. Georgia and Florida all offered him um, in December. He came up and visited Syracuse and committed after the visit. He was actually on the Nebraska campus this past weekend, so he's someone that we're kind of monitoring between now and signing day. Obviously, you take a last-minute visit somewhere else. That's not what you want from a Syracuse perspective, but uh, he did take that trip, so 
you know, a good weekend. They had other players on campus. There's uh, a linebacker at the junior college level that they offered this weekend that's announcing later this afternoon named Lonnie Rice. So all things that we're, we're keeping an eye on moving forward. Uh, Mike, you know, just kind of looking at the big picture here for the last, uh, I don't know, let's call it two weeks. It's two weeks from today when the portal officially uh, opened. Um, at least from my eyes, it seems they're going for two things. They knew they were losing defensive backs, and they've maybe gotten like-for-like replacements with what they lost. And it feels like the rest of it is, you know, up front, be it O-line or, or D-line. Is that the same sense you're getting that, okay, you lost some guys, D-back, fix that, and then just plug plug as many bodies into the trenches and see what you got? Yeah, I mean, that's where the most offers have been, is along the offensive and defensive line. Uh, now, they've, they've offered a couple other prospects, uh, a punter from Missouri they offered, um, and, you know, they, they had a couple other offers out to a wide receiver, um, a running back, but primarily it's been offensive and defensive line. And that's clearly addressing what they feel. And I think what most of us would agree is, is kind of the weakest areas on the team. Right. And, and you want to shore that up, especially next season, we don't have Sean Tucker to rely on in the running game and to try to help have him and Garrett Schrader uh, sort of, make up for any weaknesses along the offensive line. You don't have him there, even if you think very highly of LaQuinn Allen, and I do, you still need to shore up that offensive line to, to try to be better uh, next season. Defensive line was clearly the biggest issue on the defense. Uh, they, they had injury issues, which caused you to go into your depth, and you didn't have much depth to start the season when you were fully healthy, and they kind of got exposed there as the year went along. Teams certainly took advantage of that. So they're trying to, to make um, – you know, make up for those deficiencies, and, and that's clearly been the number one target when you're looking at not only the transfer portal, but uh, what they're looking at with junior college prospects as well. All right, a big week, uh, obviously, for recruiting and, and recruits, you know, making it official, right? Putting pen to paper, and um, we'll, we'll find out some of those names on Wednesday. I know that Lenora Sellers has set his, you know, his signing ceremony for Friday at 11.30 a.m. Any concern uh, about Lenora Sellers, or, or do you feel like he's uh, a solid commit and that he's coming to SU and, and nobody needs to be concerned? I think whenever you have an SEC program that's, the, that's an in-state school, there's always room to be concerned, especially with football recruiting. We know what some of the, we'll say, uh, reputations are with SEC schools and how they recruit. So, yeah, of course, I, I think that there's reason to be concerned. They certainly have the location advantage. He was just at an all-star event, and they had multiple South Carolina commits at that all-star event on his team that were in his ear trying to get him to, uh, to change his mind and, and pick South Carolina. And so, yeah, they're, they're very much alive. That is certainly something Syracuse fans should be concerned about between now and signing day. Now, he's actually, like you said, he's signing on Friday, not Wednesday. So if you don't see anything on Wednesday, it doesn't mean you should necessarily freak out. Uh, but I, I think if, if you're looking at it from a Syracuse perspective, what this is going to boil down to is his loyalty to uh, new offense coordinator Jason Beck, who's been his lead recruiter for multiple years from back when he was at Virginia through now um, at Syracuse. His loyalty to him, uh, you know, his uh, affinity for that system and, and how he thinks he would fit into it compared to the location issue. Because my, my understanding is that's the main pitch from South Carolina is, listen, if you go up to Syracuse, it's going to be a lot harder for your family to do your friends and family to come see you play uh, from a financial perspective, from a logistical perspective. Uh, now, everyone seems to be on television everywhere. So I don't know how true that is necessarily. I think they'd still be able to find them. It is obviously a lot further travel, but 
yeah, it's, it's certainly something to be concerned about. And, you know, I, I think you'll start to see some messaging from Syracuse recruiting Twitter accounts where they're highlighting all of the accolades that Jason Beck has uh, during his coaching career. Because if you compare offensive coordinators in terms of what they've done with developing quarterbacks, especially at the collegiate level, Jason Beck has a monster advantage over South Carolina's new offensive coordinator who has only coached in college for two years. It was as a tight end position coach. The rest of his history is in the NFL, and most of that history is being the offensive coordinator of offenses that finished in the bottom five in the league in points and yards. So he doesn't have a great track record. And yet, you know, so that's, that's I think, what Syracuse is, is trying to bank on here as they look to close. Yeah, South Carolina's great recent track record was literally, it was the last two weeks of the season. That's their track record. They don't really have anything else uh, more recent uh, than that. And I'll say this, 81's pretty straight. Like, they can get up here if uh, people put their mind to it. Uh, but Mike McAllister is our guest. Uh, Mike, the one thing you didn't mention there, and, and who knows if this comes into a decision for sellers, and this is not really a him question, but it could be for anybody, or these four stars coming in and out of the portal. Uh, are you hearing anything about NIL involved in recruiting? Is this something uh, you've heard tied to Syracuse recruiting, or is that not really a plan into this stuff as of yet? Not directly. We, you know, you hear some fringe rumblings here and there, but nothing direct in terms of you know this player is being offered X NIL deal to come play at Syracuse or anything like that. Haven't heard anything um, of that nature. But you know, I'm Syracuse. You know, when they're talking to sellers, because SEC schools are going to use that to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're going to see Syracuse try to recruit, try to point to the NIL things they have in place. Um, that's, you know, the different programs they have at the school and things of that nature, not necessarily a specific NIL deal. If you come here, you get X amount of dollars because of a contract with whoever it is, Adam White, Adam Weitzman's company, Romano Chevrolet, whatever the deal is, right? You don't really hear a lot of those things, um, at least with Syracuse, but you certainly hear that other schools, when they're trying to flip Syracuse commits, are dangling some of that as a way to try to entice them away from Syracuse. Just, Mike, as a quick follow to that, I mean, you mentioned the two companies there. Only one of the two people you just mentioned said the Orange were going to finish in the top 12. Uh, next year, just to put it out there, and they've gotten multiple four-star types in the transfer portal. So, I mean, this stuff can be kept on the QT, right? But, uh, I mean, should should we think about that or or no? I mean, do you you think stuff like this has to go on to get guys like that? I think getting guys like that from the transfer portal, it doesn't necessarily have to go on if you have guys that are leaving because they weren't playing. Now, Mm -hmm. if you look at guys like Deuce Chestnut and Jihad Carter, to take two examples of guys who are leaving Syracuse, those were two starters in a defense that really showcased their skills and you know, they were very highly regarded at their positions. They were going to start next season. They both leave. Is NIL going to be an important part of their transfer recruitment? I think more so in situations like that, where you have proven starters who are leaving their current school to go to another school. I think NIL opportunities are are more of a factor in those situations, because I believe that's that can be part of the motivation as to why a player would leave a starting position is to try to see what value they have, quote unquote, on the open market, so to speak. So, yes, I do think that, that it is a factor in those regards. Now, the guys that Syracuse brought in were not guys that were starting last year. They were freshmen who didn't play a ton, even though they were former uh, highly regarded recruits. So I don't think it was as much of a factor there, but 
hey, if you've got Weitzman that, that can go to the Syracuse coaches and, and say, listen, I put this prediction out that says we're going to be in the top 12. Who do I need to get to make sure that happens? And they say, we need X, Y, and Z. Go make it happen. Yeah, and maybe that's what has to happen in order for Syracuse to get in this game. I don't know. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly doesn't hurt uh, if you've got that on your side. Um, a couple other big stories from this last week. How about the hiring of Rocky Long? Makes sense in terms of continuity. Um, you know, with the three three five, uh, seventy two years old coming here, he's about to turn seventy three in January. Your, your thoughts on Rocky Long coming here? Is this a uh, a long term fix, or is this just a, a temporary thing to keep consistency in place? I don't think it can be a long term fix because of his age. Honestly, if he was about ten years younger. Then I think, yeah, maybe it, it could be uh, a longer term fix. But um, if I think it has to be a short-term deal to bridge to one of the current assistants, namely Nick Monroe is going to be calling plays in the pinstripe bowl. Uh, That's the one thing that gave me pause is I think if you're Syracuse, that's not an assistant coach you can afford to lose because he's, he's been considered the best recruiter you have on staff. He's, very well liked by by the current players, by recruits. Um, he gets players that probably Syracuse shouldn't get. He's really good at talent evaluation in terms of finding guys who are a little bit under the radar and then other schools sort of follow in Syracuse's uh, coattails there. Um, so he checks a lot of those boxes. And then he's developed players. If you look at the, the players from Syracuse in the secondary who have been NFL draft picks and they're going to get another one in Garrett Williams, um, you know, that's four NFL draft picks in, you know, six, seven years, whatever it is, that's a pretty good track record, especially when you're talking about doing that at Syracuse. And we know what the program was before Dino got here and how inconsistent it's been over the last 20 some odd years. I, I think that points to a guy that you need to keep on staff. So if this was done as like a two year bridge and he's going to mentor Monroe to take over in two years, then I think, I think this is a fantastic strategy because you can get Monroe a little bit more experience behind the scenes and be ready to take over. If it's just done because we need someone who has the experience to call plays and this isn't a specific, um, you know, Monroe being the DC and waiting, so to speak, then um, I'm a little bit concerned it's going to end up with uh, with losing him, which I think would be a, a big mistake for Syracuse. Yeah, Mike, let, let me go down that alley. You know, I had Nate, Nate Mink on a, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about that idea of Nick Monroe, and Nate described Nick as very patient. And, you know, he's been with Dino yeah. for a very long time and has not gotten a chance here yet. And, you know, people have asked me, like, well, how long does it take to learn this defense to call this defense? Obviously, Rocky, you know, knows it better than Nick or anyone else. He, he invented the darn thing. Uh, but it, what, what sense do you get from Nick? I mean, he's the primary recruiter in Florida. He, he's a very important cog uh, to what Dino's got going on here. He is. Uh, now, a couple of things. He is... Um you know, family is extremely important to him and his family and, and himself. They're from the area, Hamilton, New York area. Um, so they're central New Yorkers. And I think that that certainly helps uh, because, you know, likes the area, his family likes the area and all that. So that certainly is in Syracuse's favor. He's fiercely loyal to Dino Babers. Uh, he's had opportunities to leave to go other places and hasn't um, that would be considered upgrades. So, you know, I, I think, the fact that he's stuck with Dino this long is is a, a really it's a feather in Nick Monroe's cap because there's there's not a lot of people that are as loyal uh, as he is in this business and so again that's good for Syracuse but how long can you do that before it's detrimental to your own career so that's where I go back to if this is done um, with the 
you know, with the plan of turning it over to Nick in, in a couple of years, then I think it's, it's great. If it's not, then, you know, again, I, I worry about, about losing him. If not this season, then, then, you know, perhaps next. All right, Mike, last one for you. And, and just real quick, cause we may not have you on again before the, the bowl game with the holidays coming and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, we saw Sean Tucker opt out and, and he's, uh, he's heading to the NFL. Like we all expected that. And you've got guys entering the portal and you know, there's a lot of change going on this time of year. What, what are the chances Syracuse wins this game next Thursday? There's always a chance. Sports are weird. I mean, who, you know, that random teams beat other random teams all the time. Uh, but, you know, Syracuse has some things, still has some things going for it, I think, going into this game. And that's that, uh, you know, having a mobile quarterback like Garrett Schrader, who should finally be fully healthy, I think, for the first time since probably the Clemson game. And, you know, so his ability to, to be mobile will certainly help the offense. Uh, we'll get to see a little bit of LaQuint Allen, and we've seen what, he's been able to do. They've got some trick plays for him, so I think that'll help. But there's no question that Minnesota's defense is really good. It's going to be one of the best Syracuse has faced all season. But, you know, Syracuse, from a defensive perspective, Minnesota doesn't throw the ball that well. Uh, They haven't, at least so far this season. And that makes them one-dimensional, which I think helps Syracuse in terms of its game plan. Now, uh, Minnesota has an elite rushing attack. They are certainly going to challenge Syracuse which Syracuse has struggled against the run. So, yeah, there's matchups that you like. There's matchups you don't. I think Minnesota being the favorite is probably uh, logical. It's probably the correct move. But I certainly don't go into this game thinking that Syracuse needs some sort of massive upset to win the game. I think it'll be interesting to see, and ultimately we'll probably come down to which team wants to be there more will end up being the team that wins. All right, Mike. Uh, great stuff as always. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family, and uh, we will, uh, we'll talk again soon. Same to you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, our good friend Mike McAllister from Syracuse on SI. With that, we'll take a timeout. Full lines open the rest of the way. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.